Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Another beautiful morning in Nukatown, USA. The sun is blazing in the sky and the park is bustling with activity. I do consider Nuka-Cola to be the greatest beverage known to man. As luck would have it, our heroes are headed there right now. got your nuka world in my fallout 76 welcome back everybody this is the fallout Lorecast, and this is your host tom or robots and i thought today would be a great opportunity to talk about nuka world on tour because as i'm recording this the update is downloading they're updating the servers this is launching for everybody and I think some of you guys are probably excited about this. I mean, who doesn't love Nuka-Cola, Nuka-Cola World? It's the best beverage ever created. Uh, as the new companion who shows up in that little video says, that was a little video segment from part of the marketing that went out. That if you actually were able to see it, you would see all the different things that you can win from doing the little events and things at the Nuka World on tour. So like new skins for your power armor and your weapons. And there's a new companion who's this ghoul who seems to be one of Nuka Cola's biggest fans. So that's pretty cool. But here's here's what I was thinking about doing today for today's episode. We have a situation here. It is Fallout 76, right? So it's 20, I think we're 27, 28 years now after the bombs dropped. Every year in real time is a new year of updates in Fallout 76, which means it's another year forward in the timeline. I don't know if everybody's aware of that. So as things continue to evolve in Appalachia, they're actually doing so in sort of like a real time setup. So in this situation, we have the events of White Springs evolving and the expeditions that came out earlier this year, going to the pit and all of that. And these things weren't things that were always there. So if you jump into the game right now, you are getting the state of the world now. And I've talked about this on the show before, but it's been a while. You're not getting 
the state of the world exactly 25 years after the bombs dropped when uh, Vault 76 opens up and everybody comes out into the into the Appalachian area, right? Like that is now a few years ago. <laughs> so time has progressed. And there are a few other things that have happened during that time. You've had the Raiders and the Foundation settlers having their little issues with each other. You've had a variety of different things. I'm not going to restate all of them right here. But what we do know is that there is a traveling band of these Nuka World on Tour carnies. They're kind of like carnies. But they're they're NPCs. They're they're humans. They're people, for the most part, and they've got their robots. And they have been traveling since pre-war times and keeping this roadshow going, which is a really cool idea. And it's I mean, from an external perspective on this, it makes sense. It gives it gives a a viable justification for a way to bring. Nuka World into Fallout 76 because Nuka World was one of a lot of people's favorite expansions for Fallout 4. It was a really cool location. It's got that. It's got the wacky charm. You got creepy old cra- Cappy. <laughs> you got Bottle. I almost, I almost call him crappy, but oh well. So here's the question I have is what is the actual lore explanation for this and i know that if you get in i didn't play on the pts i have it downloaded uh it's actually just finished downloading and um the servers aren't up yet i do know that there is a character that you can talk with who gives you a little bit more of the background in the world but i also have some information on that ahead of time so there are some things that i will be able to reveal to you in this episode today but there might be more things that we're able to discover as we dig further into what's actually going on here so here let's let's just give you a quick little overview and this comes from a post uh that was on reddit actually where people were talking about what is the lore behind this, what's actually going on here. And um, as as can actually happen on occasion, you have a user who isn't just memeing garbage on Reddit. You have somebody who actually shows up and answers the question. And this laser underscore three, so maybe, maybe this is one of you guys out there, I don't know, uh, gives an actual answer. And somebody mistakenly says, what's with these robots and why are these robots out there maintaining this Nuka World on tour thing? And they explain, these aren't robots, they're actual people running the fair with a small handful of robots to help them. They've been running the fair since before the bombs dropped and they're still doing it. They were recently attacked by raiders and death claws, so they set up their next stop, Lewisburg, or rather just outside Lewisburg, to wait for their scattered people to hopefully show up. So there's more of them. The number of individual NPCs is actually pretty small in this location. We're going to get into who those people are in a second. But there's actually a larger group here, and they're trying to regroup. They may have lost some of their number to raiders and death claws. So tragic tragedy strikes in the wasteland as it usually does. They've also been considering staying put due to how dangerous traveling the country is. So they will likely be deciding to do so eventually in lore since this isn't a seasonal event or anything like that. So this is an actual new location on the map and it's not just something that's going to pop up on occasion like seasonal events. This is something that has been edited into the map itself and 
it's probably going to stay there for as far as we know the future of the of the map now the map is always evolving and changing so maybe it expands maybe it gets attacked again who knows the storyline can continue so they go on and say they just arrived this year in 2104 just like how the refuge just started up the timeline only moves forward with main quest content so it's staying in 2104 so the next point is interesting. These are new people to this part of Appalachia. What about the plague? What about the scorched plague? Doesn't everybody need to be vaccinated? Well, yes. They go on and say the overseer did bring them the vaccine. Assuming you made the Nuka Cola, the Nuka vaccine. Uh, there's a terminal entry. E- even changes based on which choice you made. So remember that whole quest in Fallout 76 where you got to make the vaccine and name it yourself. And of course, I I don't know about you guys, but I named it my bloods in it, which was the best choice. Uh, It it goes on and says all five human ghoul NPCs, human slash ghoul. Some of them are ghouls. NPCs have journals to read and two have terminals. There's also four robots, one of which only appears during the tunnel of love event. That's one of the events that happens that you can go do. And we'll talk about that stuff a little bit later. The ultrasite Titan. This is the big baddie that they've added here. This is kind of like Earl sort of the ultrasite Titan. They switched the name from abomination. Originally, they're going to call it abomination is shockingly pre-war. So the lore behind this Titan goes back before the bombs dropped. This was not a, mutant that was created from bombs and and that stuff it's actually has a different origin if i had to guess it mutated due to ams's nukes dropped in the ash heap for mining a new mine has opened up near lewisburg filled with an extreme amount of ultrasite and the terminal inside suggests that something massive was burrowing causing constant cave-ins this was likely the titan The mine closed down sometime during 2076 and was left abandoned. Presumably, this mine filled to the brim with ultrasite is why Bish wanted the land rights to Lewisburg. And that's a whole side story thing about what's going on there. So we have a monster that has been living underground since before the bombs dropped because of the using of nukes in order to mine this area. This area is actually very interesting. It's one of those things I talked about with Dave Chaffins, I think when he was on as a guest or we talked about on the fallout hub and the, the whole mining thing, the whole history of exploited miners in the Appalachian areas. um, All of that is very interesting. And they're, they're kind of playing on top of that again with this, this idea that, they were using nukes in order to clear parts of the mountain and that created this Titan thing. And there's a connection to the ultrasite here as well, which is if you, if you haven't played fault 76, then you don't know much about ultrasite. Ultrasite is a specific material that shows up in fallout 76. In fact, I should probably do an entire episode on that, but just just know that it's something that's kind of unique to this game and what's going on in this part of the world. The post goes on and says, post-war, the Titan has likely been burrowing around, but we know it primarily sleeps near abandoned mineshaft too, which is where we'll be nuking. Now, this is really cool. In previous 
events or in order to trigger certain types of events in Fallout 76, for example, Earl or the Scorch Beast Queen, you have to nuke the area that that creature is in in order to summon it. And then everybody goes there and everybody fights it. The problem with fighting in a nuked area is that there's lots of radiation. So if you're not geared up for it right in that moment, or don't have your stuff available that you can put on fairly quickly, then you might miss the event or you might not be able to partake in it at all because you're not high enough level yet or something like that. But these big events can draw lots and lots of people. So even if you're a smaller level person, you can still show up and do them. You might get killed a few times, but you respond and you can keep doing it. It's really not an issue in this event. You nuke mineshaft two, but the monster, the ultrasite Titan actually spawns in a different location. So you don't have to worry about being in that area. Also, something to note here, you don't nuke nuke world on tour. You don't nuke the the little tents and the, the places outside and all the NPCs. That's I mean, sure. I'm sure some people will do this either accidentally or on purpose. But this is not something that you need to do in this case. So mineshaft two, and then you you'll see where the Titan spawns and you go there. Um, it goes on. It says a journal of a former blood eagle turned minor informs us. So you, fi- you find a, a dead blood eagle is what, what happens here. Uh, informs us that the Titan outright grows ultracite crystals by its very presence. Not that he lived long enough to realize the the mining blood eagle, not the Titan. And that these crystals cannot be damaged with any sort of projectile. They must be hit with a melee attack to shatter them. This is one of the mechanics of the fight. There are crystals that are in specific locations and just know that you can't shoot them from a distance. You actually have to have some sort of melee weapon equipped or something that you can do damage with up close and then you have to hit them. And then we get a description as to why this blood eagle is no longer alive. Uh, While he was mining in the now inaccessible underground portion of the shaft, he uh, accidentally struck the Titan, causing it to chase him to the surface and destroy both him and the caravan he was planning to sell the Ultrasite to. Another note mentions the arms are supposedly a weak point. So something to know about the boss fight. Final paragraph in this wonderful post, again, from... um, Thank you so much, Laser3, for putting this all together in one place, because it's been very useful to me here. Once nuked, the Titan will emerge at the Nuka Launcher roller coaster, where it's been bothering the main mechanic of the fair and preventing him from working. So that's the location you go to. We head to the shaft to confirm he's not going crazy and to grab some parts for him. Notably, you aren't directly told to nuke the mine. You have to figure that out yourself with a burst of ash, triggering rain that disperses the effects of a nuke zone if there's one in the way. So there is a way to clear the effects of the nuke zone if there does happen to be one in that area, which is another. So they've been adding all of these like quality of life features to 76, which is which is cool. It makes this stuff work better. Worse, as the Titan pops up, ultrasite crystals burst from the ground that must be destroyed to damage the Titan. Those are the ones you have to punch <laughs> or hit, right? Alongside ultramites, seemingly younger versions of the Titan that tend to explode into brief bursts of poison, and mole miners wielding ultrasite laser rifles. According to a dev, they do in fact worship the Titan. 
These can also be found at the unabandoned mine shaft. This is awesome. So, okay, so we have the Ultrasight Titan. Then we've got these like Titan babies. They're called, uh, what were they called? Ultramites. Ultramite little Titan babies that pop and they're all running around. And then you've got the uh, the mole miners, which are creepy on their own, but it makes sense. They burrow under the ground. They would worship this giant creature. So we've got uh, in typical fallout fashion, the worshiping of something absolutely terrible and powerful, whether it's the bomb or the atom or <laughs> this gigantic Titan creature. Very cool. I can't wait to try this out again. I haven't done this on the PTS. I'm not a big PTS player. I, I usually wait for these things to, to launch before I go and do them. So I'm going to be trying this out soon, hopefully. So that's the background for what's actually happening here and what's going on at the location, along with a little bit about the Nuka World on Tour group and the individuals. After the break, I got to go thank our patrons. After the break, we're going to get through the list of all the different NPCs and the people that you're going to meet at this location and some of the other details. And hopefully this will be something that continues to evolve. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some other people showing back up that were from this lost party. I guess we're just going to have to see. see another of general atomics finest still eager to serve all right here we are in the middle of the show and you guys know how this works this is where i get to welcome our new patrons which include man let's see we got to go back in time a little bit here we've got benjamin p and trent and Kloss p welcome to the patreon this means that we are currently up to 68 patrons so thank you to all of you and we have to shout out our SentryBot patrons, Dylan R. and Larry D. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are awesome. All of you are awesome. Thank you so much. I, I couldn't do this show without you, so I really do appreciate it. We have some new reviews that came in as well. Oh, by the way, if you want to check out the Patreon and all the different stuff you can get there, including t-shirts and joining me on future episodes of the show, or even just getting ad-free episodes, patreon.com slash falloutlorecast is the place to do that. Let's talk about some reviews. We have some two new two new reviews that came in on Apple Podcasts. And even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an Apple account, you can just search and find the show on there. It's really easy. Just search Fall Lorecast Apple. It'll come right up and drop a five star review. It really does help. This one is from Skywalker GLM in the United States who writes fighting the good fight. Robots is fighting the good fight, maintaining the spark that made all Fallout fans fall in love with the franchise, exploring a rich and detailed world. New listener, but already binge listening and can't wait to hear more. Has there been any more discussion about Europe being a decent location for a Fallout game down the road? Uh, nothing official. And uh, we talked about this on the Discord uh, about a week ago, and I think you were the one that posted this potentially. Um, my guess is, I mean, you've got some mods out there, like Fallout London is, is a mod people are working on, but my guess is that there will never be a mainline Fallout game set anywhere other than the United States. That because, and, and let me let me explain it before you guys get your pitchforks and the internet comes at me for this. Um, it would be cool. I agree. It would be cool to go to other locations. We've talked about this on many episodes and with our patrons and, all, and that kind of thing. But the theme and feel 
and uh, entire point of the games is the downfall of American capitalism and our political system. And that is such a primary focus of the, the entire point of why these games was, were even written to begin with. That there's that deep seated irony that the things that we were doing that we thought we were progressing were actually making the world worse and eventually led to its destruction. There's a lot more there as well. There's the international stuff going on as well. So again, don't at me. That's not the only thing that the games are about, but it is a primary theme. And in order to explore that primary theme and have a game that truly feels like Fallout, it would have to be set in the United States. Now, that doesn't mean that they couldn't possibly go other places through I don't know, little side quests or DLC or something like that. But I don't think we're going to get a mainline game that's set anywhere outside of the United States or at least a United States held territory like Canada or something like that. So that would be my guess. But I think that's a really good question. Now, if I'm wrong, then great. That would be wonderful. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong and make a game somewhere else and let's just move on with it. Right. If I'm right, then I I think, I think I'm more likely right, but who knows? I mean, it's going to be a while till we get another fallout game anyway. So this is where we're at. We've got one more. This one is from switch boy in the United States who writes hooked. I just recently found this podcast and have been hooked ever since. I love when robots goes deep into the history of the fallout universe. Some of my favorite episodes are the ones about the factions. Thank you for this great podcast. So Skywalker GLM and switch boy. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave those reviews. And thank you to everybody else who helps support the show. All right, let's move on. We've got more stuff to talk about with Nuka world on tour. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Well, maybe you can answer my questions about Nuka World here. All right, let's uh, let's dig into some of these NPCs. All right, so let's start with Gunther. Gunther is standing in the uh, most wanted event area, and he's the uh, one who explains how the most wanted event runs. And by the way, there I, I didn't go over this already yet on this episode there are a number of little attractions you can do as you go through this little uh it's it's like they set up a little mini nuka world and there are a number of things you can do these little events and things i mentioned that i'm not going to go into the details about what each of the little games is that you can play or all of that stuff i pretty much figure if you're into this you're just going to go do it and explore it and find it anyway but i want to talk about the npc so the most wanted event is run by gunther and there are some other dialogue things that come up with gunther if you bring with you unyielding body armor or some food buffs so there are some conversation triggers you can get which is interesting i haven't done this yet again i haven't played on the pts but Interesting stuff. And Gunther looks kind of like cowboy. He's got kind of a cowboy hat, some brown leather jacket and, and a scarf and all of that kind of stuff. Then we have Pete Myers. Pete can be found sitting at the table on the left side of the Nuka Cade. So, yes, there's a Nuka Cade. And this is the guy you want to talk to in order to start the quest line to take on the Titan, which is titled what slept beneath which is a pretty accurate title so pete's the guy to talk to about that patricia myers can be found 
uh, walking between the Nukacade building and the trading post. So there she kind of wanders around. She's wearing a kind of one of those like floppy newsboy type hats, I think is kind of what that is. And um, and has a uh, white and red Nuka-Cola like jacket on. She's pretty hard to miss. And she has um, she has some specific options that talk about a little bit more of the background for Nuka World on tour. Some of the stuff that I've talked about already. Then we have Bruno the strong bot right there. So there's NPCs, humans, but then there's also bots. And Bruno is the bot that runs the Nukacade. He's kind of walking around in there. And in there, you, you have all these, of course, these wonderful games like little shooting galleries, which is one of the things you can do, um, like a whack-a-mole. Um, one of the strongman or two of the strongman things with like Cappy at the top where you have to hit the hit the bell at the bottom or the pad at the bottom and it shoots the thing up. the You know what I'm talking about. And... Um, Bruno only has a few little dialogue options, but starts the side quest, play Bottle Blaster at the Nukacade. So go talk to Bruno. Then Lady G is the fortune teller, and she has a booth set up on the right side of the Nukacade, just outside the front. The Nukacade actually looks like a bottle that's kind of turned sideways, and the bottom is open, kind of like that. And um, just outside that, you'll find Lady G. Now, Lady G is a robo-brain. And for 50 caps, she'll tell you your fortune, which is pretty fun. It's it's nice that they've included this kind of stuff in these kinds of events, right? Like, and one of the things that, side note, one of the things I considered going into on this episode is the history of American traveling circuses and side events and these kinds of things. I don't know how interested you guys are in the entire American history of that, but it's one of those pieces of Americana from a hundred years ago and, and, and more recent, like even the traveling circuses that still exist out there are kind of reminiscent of this, but this is something that I I guess we still have it in uh, like every so often there's a, a big church down the road for me that has a big carnival and they bring in these rides and they set up these rides and they and they do that back in the day it used to be something that was kind of this traveling event and you could you could be an actor you could be a performer this was much more common but having something like a fortune teller was one of the things that they would often include now if you do this you can get a luck buff or a luck debuff for 30 minutes, depending on what your fortune is, which is pretty cool. Now there are some other vendors. There's Chloe, the clown and Chloe, the clown is a, like a Mr. Handy who's kind of floating around and looks like uh, Chloe has some clown makeup on her face. Um, a, a big old, big old smile. And there are some weapons and things that you can trade with Chloe, including a paddle ball, which is very appropriate. Um, there's also some plans and stuff on Chloe. And then there's Betty Hill, who's also a trader. She's just outside the Tunnel of Love, which is another one of the events that you can go to. You'll see her in a, a little trailer. It's mostly red, but red and white. Everything's red and white. It's new cola. Uh, Betty trades apparel and there's oh, man, there's some cool stuff you can get. Like, if, have you ever wanted a, ca- a black leather cappy vest or a bottle and cappy jacket? Yeah, all sorts of cool stuff you can get from from her and some Western gear. There's also some food and drink as well. So, you know, if you're hungry and you want to eat some uh, carnival pie, you can do that over there or sell your junk. 
Then there's Del Walsh. Del Walsh. I almost messed that name up. Um, now, Del Walsh is particularly interesting. Listen to this. This is Del Walsh. I'm a paramedic in Nuka World's Infirmary Center, and this report is dated July 14th, 2077. Now, I'd like to officially go on record to express my dismay at the current safety conditions of some of Nuka World's rides. I've just completed treating a patient who suffered multiple cuts and bruises after riding Mad Mulligan's minecart ride. Now, in the last year alone, I've treated seven broken bones, nine major lacerations, 78 muscle injuries, and 166 minor lacerations, all due to ride malfunctions. And this does not include the two fatalities that have occurred, both of which have been in the last six months. Listen, I understand that Project Cobalt has diverted some of our park's maintenance and security personnel and how important it is to the war effort. But we can't ignore the fact that safety has fallen off the radar at Nuka World. And something must be done about it immediately. Since my supervisors have chosen to ignore my concerns, I'll be forwarding this recording to Mr. Brad Burton's office personally. Yeah. So, okay. Did you catch that? Now, there, there's a lot of detail in there. I wanted to play the whole thing so that you got the context of the whole thing. This is a holotape from Fallout 4 from events in 2077. Del Walsh shows up in Fallout 4 in a holotape from 2077 where he was complaining about the safety standards, the minimum viable safety standards or whatever they're called in Nuka World. That same Del Walsh, 20 some years later, 28, 29 years later, about whatever the math is on that uh no 27 years later anyway I'm, I'm bad at math that same del walsh shows up right here in the paramedic tent and this is where you can buy aid stuff like drugs and stim packs and medics and all of that stuff what this guy like this is a direct connection to fallout 4 so yeah same guy very cool now, there's one other character who I mentioned before. You get a camp ally named Leo Petrov. He was the guy who said his voice shows up in the little jingle at the beginning about Nuka-Cola being the best beverage ever created or something like that. Um, so he he's part of this scoreboard, the season 11 Nuka themed scoreboard. So you have to get to him off the scoreboard. Then you have to purchase his uh his desk plan or whatever from Samuel or Samuel Samuel. I said Samuel, didn't I Samuel or Mortimer for gold bullion. And then you can get him hanging out. And he is a, he's a very nice looking ghoul of a man. He's balding, but he has hair on the sides of his head. So he's still got the curtains there and he's got some glasses on. He looks like a very nice middle-aged guy. So that's, that's a Leo. And like, any of these other locations or events that shows up, there's a lot of stuff you can unlock. I haven't gone through the list of all the Nuka World themed items and things for your camp and clothing and all of that stuff. I've mentioned little bits here and there, but there's a ton and it would take an hour to get through everything. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about this stuff, of course, you can jump into the game if you have the game. Um, a lot of this, these details were actually consolidated on the website, theduchessflame.com. Thank you, theduchessflame.com, for putting this out there for us. This has been very useful, and I recommend going and visiting that website. Go and checking out what the Duchess is doing. So, page I stumbled on when I was doing research for this, so go check that out. And um, I've got one last thing. As part of the 
big old marketing push for this. Did I just say big old marketing push? Who am I even, guys? Who am I? Um, <laughs> we have a radio play. Radio play part one, Nuka World from Fallout 76. And this is an audio radio play. There's a little bit of a video element that just kind of shows up and loops on this video. that sh- This shows up on the Bethesda.net site. And this is part of the article that they put out. But I figured most of you probably haven't spent the time to listen to it. It's not the most engaging or exciting thing you'll ever listen to, but it's cute and it's got some really good voice acting in it. So I thought I would put it here at the end of the episode. If you get bored, feel free to just side off, you know, move on to the next podcast or whatever. But I thought it would be fun to include this here at the end so that you would at least get the opportunity to listen through it. It seems like there's going to be multiple parts. Who knows where they're going with this? But here, give it a listen. Another beautiful morning in Nukatown, USA. The sun is blazing in the sky and the park is bustling with activity. It appears some of the staff are gathered in the amphitheater. And as luck would have it, our heroes are headed there right now. Let's see what's occurring. Good morning, Mr. Branberton. Oh, hello there, Charlie. Emily, too. What brings you over here so early on this fine morning? We've got some deliveries for you. Sure is busy in here. What are you all doing inside this dusty old theater on such a beautiful day, anyway? Well, it is the grand opening day of my exciting new theater production, the likes of which will surpass even the most quintessential once-in-a-lifetime viewing experiences. I call it Nucapunzel. Well, that sounds kind of familiar. It tells the tragic tale of a beloved heroine trapped in the gripping clasp of Fistop Mountain. Will she ever escape? Will anyone help her? Oh, the drama. Oh, the tragedy. Ah, uh, sounds great. But uh, we better be off, Mr. Bradbutton. Good luck with the play. Oh, won't you both stay and help with the setup? We could really do with the pair of you. Well, as much as I would love to, I've got some other jobs to get. Excellent! That's the sort of can-do attitude we need at the park. Emily, would you mind helping out the tech team? They could do with your engineering knowledge. Uh, The painting team could do with your guidance too, Charlie. There's lots of work to get done before the stage is set. Let's get to it! Chop, chop! The team worked tirelessly throughout the morning, past noon, and into the early evening hammering away at set pieces and constructing eccentric outfits. As the clock struck 6 p.m., the stage was set and the guests began to take their seats. But behind the curtain, Mr. Bradbutton was growing ever more anxious. Where on earth are my lead actors? I told them to arrive precisely at 5 p.m., but, well, they aren't here. Whatever shall we do? Nuka Punzel, it's doomed! We can help out, Mr. Bradberton, sir. Oh, Charlie, I don't know about this. Oh, it will be all right, Emily, I promise. Okay, fine, but I'm playing the hero. Get in the dress, Charlie. The pair got into their outfits, Charlie rather unwillingly, and nervously made their way onto the stage. 
The start of the play went without a hitch. The pair gasped, laughed, and cried in all the right places, remembering all of the lines from Mr. Bradbutton's incessant bragging about how greatly written they were. But as the curtains opened on the final scene, suddenly the light snapped off, and dark, evil laughter was heard. <laughs> Oh, geez, although this isn't meant to happen. Ooh, went the crowd. From the corner of his eye, Charlie spotted a shadowy figure crossing the stage. Stop right there, you brute! Get him, Charlie! I'll sort the lights! Charlie darted towards the figure as Emily dashed to the back of the stage, fiddling with the switches until the lights flashed back on, illuminating the villain who stood at the side of the stage. It was none other than the Vim Vader himself. Damn you losers, ruining all my fun! You may have saved the play, but I'll get you next time! And with that, the Vim Vader flew out of the emergency exit door, leaving Charlie and Emily alone on the stage. The room was silent for a few minutes, before the guests started slowly clapping. Louder and louder it became until their cheers were bouncing off the theater walls and almost raising the roof. Encore! Encore! It was beautiful! Our heroes quickly bowed and left the stage, hearts racing from the thrill of the performance. But as soon as they appeared backstage... Charlie! Emily! Thank goodness you're both all right. No surprise that that nasty Vim Vader was behind the power cut. Turns out that no-gooder gave the real actors the wrong directions to the amphitheater. Thank God you two were here. The park's reputation was almost ruined. Of course, that Vim Vader is no match for us. Happy to help. Another day easily saved from the evil clutches of the Vim Vader. Where will he strike next? And will his dastardly actions ever be brought to justice? Find out next time on Tales from Nuka World. Stay tuned. Shooters for Adventure and All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Stay safe in the wasteland. Bye, guys. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.